If you feel like your business is drowning in inefficiencies, it might be time to decode the problem and break it down by the numbers. Let's start with 37,000. That's the vast community of business owners who've embraced NetSuite. 25, that's the number of years that NetSuite has been revolutionizing financial workflows and accelerating success. Which brings us to one. NetSuite offers tailored solutions, all consolidated within one streamlined platform. Unlock the power of NetSuite today. Download our acclaimed KPI checklist for free. Just head to netsuite.com slash cbs. That's netsuite.com slash cbs. The CBS Evening News, after this short break. Today's CBS Evening News podcast is sponsored by Oral-B Electric Toothbrushes. Oral-B's dentist-inspired brush head is designed to surround each tooth for a better clean than a manual brush. For a limited time only, use code CBSNEWS10 to receive 10% off your purchase at Oral-B.com. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us on this Friday night. And as we come on the air, the mega storm that is barreling across the country has taken a new and deadly turn. Today, an avalanche killed one skier and left another severely injured at a resort near Lake Tahoe in California. Well, tonight, the storm is on the move, causing whiteouts and spinouts on icy highways throughout the Midwest, where blizzard warnings are now in effect. We're talking about at least 125 million people that are under these winter weather alerts tonight all the way to the northeast. We'll show you where the storm is heading in just a moment, but first, Adriana Diaz leads us off tonight. Rescuers recovered the body of a male skier from an avalanche near Lake Tahoe. Officials say a second skier was severely injured on a day with avalanche warnings across the Sierras. The same storm system wiped out visibility across Minnesota and North Dakota, causing collisions and causing the semi to spin out blocking several lanes. The snow was waist deep in rural Skykomish, Washington, where impassable roads marooned residents without power. Wow. Today, as we were driving on the interstate in Missouri, we saw a domino effect of semis that slid into ditches. It was the same misery for drivers in Ankeny, Iowa. Icy roads led to crashes that littered car parks across the highway. Further south in Fort Worth, Texas, rescuers pulled this truck out of the Trinity River. Two men were dead inside. Officials believe wet roads from the same system were to blame. The fast-moving storm brought travel to a standstill. There were more than 4,000 cancellations or delays across the country. This Delta flight at Kansas City Airport skidded off the icy runway before it could take off. No one was hurt. This storm is pushing quickly across the country and has already dropped five inches here in Des Moines, Iowa. But what is so treacherous about the system is all the ice that's formed on the ground in some areas. So folks are dealing with both black ice and whiteout conditions. Nora. A dangerous weekend. All right, Adriana, thank you. WCBS's Lonnie Quinn is tracking the storm. And Lonnie, where is it headed? Okay, you know, as Adriana was saying, it's moving from west to east, but she also talked about the ice out there. There's nothing worse than Mother, than Mother Nature serving up ice on our roadways, and that is unfortunately a part of this scenario. Now, right now, 29 states have some sort of winter weather advisory in effect. The worst of it, the area shaded in, in that bright pink around the Dakotas into Minnesota and Iowa, a blizzard warning in effect right now stays in effect until about, nine, until about 6 p.m. tomorrow. The whole system will push to the east. As it gets into Chicago, say tonight, you're changing from snow 
over to some ice and some rain as well. And then it keeps pushing east. It will make its way into the northeast tomorrow. And that's the day for you. And then it's out to sea by Sunday. Biggest snowfall total. Let's talk about that. Because out to the west, the Cascades picked up two to three feet. But here around the Tug Hill Plateau, they could also see 10 to 16 inches of snow. But again, I think the ice is going to be one of the biggest problems that this has to offer. North, let's go over to you. All right, Lonnie, thank you. Tonight, there's growing concern about a new and rare pneumonia-like virus that has caused at least two deaths and has spread from China to other countries in Asia. And federal health officials don't want it to spread here. So they are screening passengers arriving from central China at three major airports. That type of screening hasn't happened since the Ebola outbreak. Here's Errol Barnett. Additional health screenings begin here at JFK at 10 p.m. Eastern tonight. The CDC deploying roughly 100 experts here to Los Angeles and San Francisco's international airports to assist. The hope is to prevent the mysterious coronavirus strain from spreading to the U.S. This is a new disease and information is really rapidly evolving and so we're continuing to learn about it day by day. The focus will be on passengers on flights originating in Wuhan, China. So far, there have been 45 cases confirmed spreading from China to Thailand and Japan, sparking a World Health Organization alert. Authorities believe it is rare for the pneumonia-like virus to spread between humans. The first case was reported September 30th, believed to be linked to Wuhan's large seafood and animal market. The earlier we can detect the virus, the better we can understand it, and the better we can protect the American public. Now, the CDC estimates some 5,000 passengers will go through these, excuse me, additional screening measures over the next few weeks. Their temperatures will be taken, and they'll fill out a questionnaire about their health that, of course, will slow things down for them by a number of hours. But, Nora, the other thing to keep in mind is that next weekend, the Chinese New Year begins, and that could lead to even more passengers being screened. All right, Errol, thank you. And tonight, the FBI crackdown continues on white supremacist groups ahead of a pro-gun rally next Monday in Richmond, Virginia. Well, today, three suspected members of a neo-Nazi group were arrested in Georgia, charged with targeting left-wing activists. Jeff Pegues has more on their alleged murder plot. Police say the three men arrested in Georgia had trained at a camp for the white supremacist group known as The Base in the northwest part of the state. One of the men, Luke Lane, is charged with conspiracy to murder two members of the left-wing group Antifa. Jay Tab is with the FBI. We would categorize them as racially motivated violent extremists. They are a neo-Nazi group uh, that believe in white uh, ethnicity and power and um, have called for a white ethno state in the United States. These arrests follow the capture of three other members of the base yesterday in Maryland. Law enforcement sources say members of the group had talked about sparking violence at Monday's gun rights rally in Richmond. That prompted the FBI to disrupt white supremacist groups before they could travel to the state capitol. Here in Richmond, increased security measures are being put in place amid the growing threat of violence, including the possible use of weaponized drones. Oren Siegel is with the Anti-Defamation League, which has been tracking the threats. For white supremacists, and racists who believe that a race war has to start now, they're trying to leverage this moment. And so they are uh, recommending that people show up to start a battle. Wow, Jeff joins us now, and law enforcement has already made about half a dozen arrests. How concerned is the FBI about this neo-Nazi group? 
Well, they are concerned in fanning out across the country. In fact, late today, we learned of another arrest this time in Wisconsin, also tied to the group The Base, a man who allegedly vandalized the synagogue. And so agents are going to be on high alert throughout the weekend. Meanwhile, President Trump weighed in on Monday's rally. He says that the Second Amendment is under attack and Democrats are to blame. Nora. All right, Jeff, thank you. President Trump has until 6 p.m. tomorrow to send the Senate his formal response to the House charges against him. His impeachment trial begins next week, and today we learned he's chosen some high-profile and controversial lawyers to defend him. Ben Tracy reports tonight from the White House. With impeachment clearly on his mind, President Trump gave the national champion LSU football team a history lesson today about the Resolute desk in the Oval Office. It's been there a long time, a lot of presidents, some good, some not so good. <laughs> but you got a good one now, even though they're trying to impeach the son of a bitch. Can you believe that? Ahead of next week's Senate Where's trial, Mr. Where's Trump is bolstering his legal yes. team. It will be led by White House counsel Pat Cipollone and Mr. Trump's private attorney, Jay Sekulow. But new additions include constitutional law professor Alan Dershowitz and former special prosecutor Ken Starr. My role today is... Back in 1999, when Starr's investigation of President Clinton led to his impeachment, businessman Donald Trump had a very different opinion. I think Ken Starr is a lunatic. I really think that Ken Starr is a disaster. Today, Monica Lewinsky, whose affair with President Clinton's star uncovered, tweeted, are you kidding me, with an expletive. The president is not explaining his choices, and they are controversial. Both Starr and Dershowitz once represented convicted pedophile Jeffrey Epstein. Dershowitz is also accused of sexually assaulting a woman when she was underage, which he denies. Some White House aides were concerned about that baggage. It would be unconstitutional for President Trump to be impeached on the current record. But the president has watched the two lawyers' frequent TV appearances, and one White House advisor tells CBS News Mr. Trump believes they will make for great TV ratings at the trial. I want to bring in Ben now from the White House, because I understand you have some breaking news about new photos and more documents that suggest that U.S. ambassador to Ukraine may have been followed, Ben? That's right. The House Judiciary Committee just released new photos of businessman Lev Parnas with both President Trump and Rudy Giuliani. There are also messages from Trump donor Robert Hyde that appear to show he was tracking the movements of Ambassador Yovanovitch, who was seen as an obstacle to some of these investigations they wanted into Joe Biden and his family. In one of these messages, an unknown person tells Hyde, it's confirmed we have a person inside. Nora. All right, Ben, thank you. Despite assurances from President Trump that no one was harmed when Iran launched those missiles at American forces in Iraq last week, we're now learning that some service members are being treated for injuries sustained in the attack. Holly Williams reports tonight from Iraq. It was a miracle nobody was killed, according to some U.S. troops at Al-Assad Air Base. No Americans were harmed in last night's attack. But now the Pentagon says that several service members suffered concussions from the blast, with 11 transported to Germany and Kuwait for screening and all expected to return to duty in Iraq. Only injuries that threaten life or limb are required to be reported up the chain of command, and concussion symptoms sometimes take days to emerge. We were given similar information on Monday when the US military took us to Al-Assad. 
This is one of the bunkers where US troops took cover during the missile strikes and we've been told that several of them suffered concussions and that's not surprising because one of the missiles hit about 30 yards in that direction. The blast was so big, it was unlike anything I've ever heard or seen or felt. In Iran today, the country's supreme leader, Ayatollah Ali Khamenei, said the missile strikes had dealt a blow to the dignity and awe of the U.S. Khamenei was delivering the sermon at Friday prayers for the first time in eight years, using the podium to describe American leaders as clowns. With tensions still running dangerously high, Khamenei said Iran is willing to negotiate, but not with America. The US Special Representative for Iran said today that the ball is in Iran's court. Nora. All right, Holly Williams in Iraq tonight, thank you. For the first time, Royal Caribbean Cruise Lines is telling its side of the story and releasing video of a toddler's deadly fall aboard one of its ships. The child's grandfather, now facing criminal charges, spoke exclusively with David Begno in November. And David has the new images that raise questions about the family's version of the story. This grainy video shows little Chloe Wiegand running toward an open window that was above her head aboard the Freedom of the Seas ship that was docked in Puerto Rico last July. Her step-grandfather, Salvatore Anello, is following her. What happens next is critical. Mr. Anello leans over the railing for about eight seconds. He then lifts Chloe up and appears to hold her over the railing for nearly 34 seconds. The 18-month-old girl then disappears. Royal Caribbean, which the Wiegan family has accused of negligence, says it should bear no blame. Rather, the cruise line blames Anello, saying he was reckless and irresponsible and the sole reason why Chloe is no longer with her parents. Puerto Rican authorities have charged Anello with negligent homicide. He told us in his only network TV interview last November that he never realized the window was open. All I know is I was trying to reach the glass and I know that we leaned over to... Uh, to try to have her reach the glass, and at that point, she slipped. But at that moment, did you realize there was no glass? I didn't realize there wasn't any glass till the absolutely it was too late. Tonight, the Wiegand family has responded. They are asking a judge to remove that video from the public record. David Begno, CBS News, New York. An announcement is expected as soon as tomorrow on Prince Harry and his wife Meghan's future. CBS News has learned several key issues remain, including who pays for security, their titles, and future finances. Well, today, Meghan was all smiles in Canada as she drove to pick up her Pilates instructor at the airport. Now a stroke of brilliance, an incredible hole-in-one by amateur golfer Laurent Hurtabice. He aced a 151-yard par three yesterday at the American Express Pro-Am in California. Hurtabice was born with one arm and has been playing golf since he was 11. His professional partner at the tournament, Troy Merritt, says this was the coolest experience he's ever had on the golf course. I am also still waiting for my own hole-in-one. What's cuter than a panda cub? How about 20 of them? These bouncing baby bears were born last year at China's Conservation and Research Center for Giant Pandas, and they made their debut to celebrate the upcoming Lunar New Year in China, which less adorably will be. 
Here's something to think about. If you had one dying wish, what would it be? Steve Hartman met a man who knew exactly what he wanted. And here's tonight's On the Road. 49-year-old John Rains is living on borrowed time. He has terminal brain cancer, and doctors told him a year and a half ago <clears throat> that he had about a year to live. What keeps you going? Blake. He was five months premature when he was born. They didn't know if he was going to even breathe. He's been special his whole life. John's only son, Blake, goes to Billings West High School in Billings, Montana. He's a senior, which is why John wanted to make it to May, at least. So I can see my kid graduate. What parent doesn't want to see it? That's a huge milestone in a kid's life. Pam Rudolph, Blake's mom and John's ex-wife, says there was no guarantee he'd live that long. Yeah, I, that's when I realized we have to do something. What Pam did was reach out to the principal at Billings West to arrange a surprise for her ex-husband. She made up an excuse to lure him to the school and into the auditorium. He didn't have any idea the band would be playing and this was really happening just for him and for Blake. It was a graduation of one, staged for this audience of one. I started thinking about everything, how much time I had, what I could do. I'm just gonna spend as much time with them as I can. Blake will still have to finish out the school year, but the milestone has now been marked, the memory sealed. When I got my diploma and I went down and hugged him, it just felt so good. It's probably the best hug he's ever given me. Best day of my life. How can the best day of your life be when you're dying? People will make you happy. The power of a kind deed. Real happy. Can overcome <laughs> even the worst of fates. My ex-wife coming through like that. And John says that's the lesson in this moment, that we're all terminal. We just need to treat each other like we know it. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Billings, Montana. And a reminder again that family is everything. Coming up next week on the CBS Evening News, the trial begins. We will have full coverage as the historic Senate trial of President Trump gets underway with opening arguments as early as Tuesday. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Washington. Hope you have a great weekend and good night. Hey, it's Matt Norlander with the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, and it is tournament time, people. So listen to the one podcast that will cover every upset, Cinderella, Bracket Buster Sleeper. We've got it all covered, every round, reaction shows, all the way up through the championship game in Glendale, Arizona. To find us, search Eye on College Basketball podcast wherever you get your podcasts.